Hello and welcome to Box Cutters episode 268. Yes, we won an award. No, we're not going to go on and on and on about how we won a Kronos award this weekend. We're not going to just keep going on about it. We won an award. We are an award-winning podcast, but we're not going to mention it during this episode. My name is Josh Canal. To my left... Courtney Hawking. Oh, yeah. <laughs> to my right, Brett Cropley. Good evening, viewers. And this is me not talking about our Kronos Awards. <laughs> <laughs> See how I did it? Just didn't even mention it. That's how subtle I am. Oh, you're totally subtle. Yeah. You uh, actually I'll- did it in that, uh, that uh, extreme high frequency. Uh, <laughs> you did like a double speaker. Only so, young, so young people can hear. Yes. yes. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks. Uh, in this episode of Box Cutters, we have... The excellent Lawrence Lung coming in. Woohoo! He's going to be talking about his new show, Unbelievable, and a whole lot of other stuff that may or may not feature the words Blue Wang. <laughs> He's such a cool dude. Isn't I'm excited he, to have him on. Isn't he a cool dude? Yep. I, I can't believe this is the, like the first time in six years that we've had Lawrence Lung on. Because He's a busy, popular man. Yeah, he's true. Yes, yeah, it's probably all the popularity. Yeah, because yeah. we've been quite good friends with him all this, all this time. Oh, yeah, yeah, we're totally hanging out with Lawrence all the time. I, have you not? No. Ah. No, I only get to see him at um, at Courtney's parties, and then I'm just in the corner going, it's Lawrence Long. It's ah. been on TV. I'm not even dropping the name myself. I'm letting Josh do it for me. Yeah. This is what I'm doing the whole episode. I'm not <laughs> saying things and then later on saying how I didn't say them. Ah. <laughs> it's going to be great. Subtle. <laughs> subtle. Subtle. Uh, we're, also, we're also going to, you know, because of balance, because we need balance in yes. the show, can't all be great. We're going to be talking about winners and losers. <laughs> Later on in the show, yeah, hey, our, our dissection of it's going to be great. Uh, if, if oh not, yeah, that's so. that's going to be great. That's going to be great. Yeah. Uh, mm. sure. Mm. Uh, we can't we can't take responsibility for the program itself. <laughs> no, uh, we've got a crap TV. We're going to be talking about one thing. If you're going to watch it this week, we've got Toby Halligan with his trotters. As always, though, <laughs> kick things off with the box cutters news. First up in the news, Tracy Morgan is in trouble. Otherwise known as Tracy Jordan from uh, from uh, the uh, girly show with Tracy Jordan. Is uh, <laughs> does he actually act, or is that him? I think well, not. all right. Here's the thing. Like we've we've mentioned this on Box Cutters in the past that uh, Tracy Morgan is. Uh, <sighs> He has been known to go into homophobic rants during his stand-up. Mm-hmm. Discovered this about six months ago. A friend of ours was in uh, was in uh, New York. Went to see Tracy Morgan's show. Am I getting the names right? Yes, yes. Tracy Morgan. Tracy yep. Morgan's Correct. the real one. Yep. Yep. Okay. Went to see Tracy Morgan's show and uh, and uh, and came back and said that you know he had said weird stuff that Whoa. made him very very uncomfortable and in fact made our friend walk out like. Gay people shouldn't even exist because God doesn't make mistakes. Now, hmm. uh, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to judge uh, judge Tracy Morgan too much, but that's a cock of a thing to say. And to, hmm. and to be honest, there are some things you can say in comedy, and it's quite apparent that you know that's kind of funny. Like you can see what they're saying, if taken into different contexts, could be entertaining. But this saying that, for example, or what he's purported to have said this time, which is, I believe, something about if he found out his son was gay, he'd pull out a knife and stab the little nigger to death. Yes, quoting. That's, it's okay. I'm white, but I, I was quoting. Uh, so, and this this was reported on someone's Facebook 
page. Yeah, which yeah, which is interesting as well because you can't see exactly what he said. I'm not defending it in any way. I don't think there's even a comedic angle that could make it okay. But it, it seems odd that the quote's coming from someone's Facebook about him. Yes. And so then appa- apparently uh, Tracy Morgan apologised for this. and uh, but, but the thing is, Bob Greenblatt, chairman of NBC Entertainment, uh, is... Is gay and uh, and that's pretty bad when you, you know you're saying this stuff about mm. about essentially people like your boss. You're in a bit of trouble there. Uh, so Bob Greenblatt released a, a statement uh, saying, "I speak for NBC and myself personally when I say we do not condone hate or or violence of any kind." And I'm pleased to see Tracy Morgan apologising for recent homophobic remarks in his stand-up appearance. We will always recognise an artist's freedom to express him or herself, but not when reckless things are said, no matter what context. Unfortunately, Tracy's comments reflect negatively on both 30 Rock and NBC, two very all-inclusive and diverse organisations. We have made it clear to him that this kind of behaviour will not be tolerated. Now, if this not being the first time he said it, and clearly this has been part of his stand-up routine Mm. for quite some time, why... Uh, why is he only being told off about it now that some guys put it on his Facebook page and then it's spread throughout? But is there a responsibility of your... I mean, he's he's his own stand-up comedian, obviously. He's not saying this stuff on 30 Rock. At what point when you're employed to do one job, i.e. act on 30 Rock as a comedian, does your employer have the entitlement to then go through your material with a fine tooth comb and say, well, you well, know? Well, it... it, it your employer doesn't. Your employer mm. doesn't have the right to go through your material with a fine-tooth comb. Your employer does, however, have the right to sack you because you reflect badly on the yep, organisation. Absolutely. And also, it's it's not so much a reaction to that being in his material, mm. but... That he actually believes it. It, it going viral and, and everybody talking about it. So, so it's like... It, it's like, uh, you know, Mel, Mel Gibson. Remember mm. Mel Gibson? Or <laughs> Michael Richards. Or, or Michael Richards. Uh, Michael Richards was not employed at the time. Yep. Mel Gibson found it very difficult to get work after his tirades. Uh, considering uh, his work at the time was having his arm up a beaver, you know, it's hardly... I really want to see that film, though. It's, the script is apparently amazing. And, anyway. anyway. Uh, the, uh, and Tina Fey also, also released a statement saying, I'm glad to hear that Tracy apologised for his comments. Stand-up comics may have the right to work out their material in its ugliest and rawest form in front of an audience... But the violent imagery of Tracy's rant was disturbing to me at a time when homophobic hate crimes continue to be a life-threatening issue for the GLBT community. It also doesn't line up with the Tracy Morgan I know, who is not a hateful man and is generally much too sleepy and self-centred to ever hurt another person. (laughs) I hope for his sake that Tracy's apology will be accepted as sincere by his gay and lesbian co-workers at 30 Rock, without whom Tracy would not have lines to say, clothes to wear, sets to stand on, seen partners to act with, or printed out paycheck from accounting to put in his pocket. The other producers and I pride, our, pride ourselves on 30 Rock being a diverse, safe and fair workplace. And I think Tina Fey's comment is much more uh, mm. you're walking on thin eyes than Bob Greenblatt's. I mm. agree. Uh, the, the, the difficulty, I, I think, and it also ties in with the whole two and a half men, Charlie Sheen thing is, the whole of 30 Rock is set up as this show wasn't, like, fictionally, the show wasn't very good, so we got Tracy Jordan in to make it amazing, and now he's, do you know what I mean? And there's that tension. And And then in reality, now we have the same problem. They're going into their final season, and there's the tension of, you couldn't get rid of him, 
and it have have it be the same show, and yet this has happened. And do you know what I mean? It's yeah. it's almost an ultimate integrity test of how much are you prepared to put your balls on the line and say this is not okay. We're getting rid of you. We'll work something out. And how much are you? Well, this is the show, and and it's worth how much money, and you know all of those things that come into it ultimately. I think the only way. Oh, to really- to- Toby Halligan. Oh hi! Well, welcome to welcome to news. Hi. the The only way <laughs> to really and <laughs> truly test it is for us to convert Tracy Jordan's Tracy Morgan's son to homosexuality and test him out. Do this you still do conversions? Do. I yeah, I, I thought is that I think still I can. a thing? You, you can. think you can? You can. Okay. You can. Oh, are you going on, on the spaghetti theory? It depends on how get him hot you enough, are. and they'll bet. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I've not heard that one before. That Clearly. Clearly, spaghetti also needs some kind of moisture. I think yeah. that's yeah. that's the Tracy Morgan integrity test. <laughs> All right, so, so you're, uh, that's going to be your project uh, over the next uh, box cutters I'm break. I'm going to attempt to seduce his fourteen year olds. Wow! Special comments. Are you glad you invited me into the news? Special well, comments from well, Toby Halligan. To- Toby, I, I I invited you on, onto the news because you have an issue that uh, that. You're pretty. You're pretty angry about. Yeah. This is last week on the seven pm project. Yeah. Uh, they spoke to a a young woman who, well, a girl technically, a girl. She is seventeen years old. We are not going to name her. We are going to call her Monica Footy Fan. <laughs> they spoke to Monica Footy Fan and uh, and did an interview with her because she had come out and said that she, all the things that she said mm. about Ricky Nixon, uh, the AFL manager. Mm. Uh, was false. Former, former yeah. player manager. Former player manager was former St Kilda player. False and uh, and that yeah. she, but she'd she'd lied about he was it. innocent. She'd made it all up. She, and she she had lied about it all. And uh, and then Toby, do you want me to play the the clip at the start? Uh, well, do, I think do you want to might, work up to it's it? It's worth contextualising it. So they did this interview. This was clearly an incredibly awkward interview between mm. the four of them. Because uh, there were four people on the panel, and then at the end of it, um, uh, at the, after the interview, um, they basically Charlie Pickering actually came out and said that he didn't think the clip that we're about to play should be shown, um, and Dave Hughes said that you know he thought it was appropriate to show it, and so, there's been a discussion, is, which yeah. is a fairly common technique on those shows. Is like you take that side, you take that side, and then we've got our bases covered. Yep. Absolutely. So um, we, we can hear we can hear that bit. I've got I've got that bit lined up as well. So uh, okay. Well, look, uh, it's probably so best they, if you... they did an interview that it was a pre-tape with Monica Footy fan before the uh, live show before the live show. Yep. Uh, and then had the live audience making laughs or commenting, kind of like a Happy Days audience. Yep. During the the replay and and then. Uh, it must be said also. So, so on on the panel was Dave Hughes, Charlie Pickering, uh, Carrie, Carrie Bickmore, and Steve Steve Vizard. A convicted fraud. Mm. What a combination. Mm. Yeah. Sorry for her that she's now in this situation. Now there's a there is a piece of footage that we're about to play, and we debated whether or not we were going to play it on this program. Um, I would like to say that I was against playing. You're a big fan of playing um, it, but uh, Dave. Um, yeah, we had a debate about this. About this is something that happened straight after the interview, and and 
Look, I, I, look, I personally think it's OK to play. I mean, I was going to say it, and I thought, why should I say it? Well, why not let her say it? And 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 I, I'm not going to surprise anybody either. No. And I think it goes to the heart of the ambivalence about mm. her story, and it, it actually assists people to form a view about what she was saying. Yeah, all right. So this, this, this clip we're just going to play just happened straight after that interview. Just watch this. Excellent. Oh, that was, that was so hard. No, for us though, no, you did it well. <laughs> you yeah, know, that's riveting TV though. You know, I can tell already that you know. It's riveting. But everything TV. I just said, I lied about. Yeah. <laughs> but I think, yeah, I think that comes across. Why is it really? <laughs> let's do it again. But, you know, but let's, you know. I think we probably need to say anything more. No. I think it was a very fascinating chat and this won't be the last we hear about and it. We genuinely hope that, you know, her life is good. Absolutely. And I, I never thought I'd say this, but the Dalai Lama's coming up. Go <laughs> <laughs> take a break. So, I guess um, the first kind of objection I have or uh, is that she, the girl, obviously wasn't given a chance to respond. Mm. Mm. You know, clearly mm. she was unaware that they were going to show that and that is unethical, objectively mm -hmm. unethical, uh, for I think any media organisation to conduct an interview with anyone um, uh, and to, on an off-camera moment, decide to show that moment without giving them an opportunity to respond or to discuss it in any way. Um, I secondly think uh, it, it, it kind of goes to the heart of like uh, the core problem with the 7pm project, and that is that it's kind of this hybrid in the sense that you've got these uh, comedians, comedians I kind of respect quite, quite a lot, like, you know, like Charlie Pickering and Dave Hughes. Um, like, uh, I, I like Dave Hughes's work on The Glass House, uh, for example, um, but who are now acting in the role of journalists but aren't applying... Uh, journalistic integrity too. No, they're not mm. applying the same professional standards. Which is, I think, I think is the problem with the media, the journalism we have these days is they've taken the, the money out of it and the skills out of it and now we have people who are ostensibly comedians fronting journalism. And Basically, it, it's, you know, amateurs. Yeah, which is, yeah. you know, it's nothing against them. They're comedians. How should they know? Mm. But on the other hand, there should be producers there, making you know, those, kinds making of those decisions. When, when they're dealing with a 17-year-old girl yeah. mm. and not only naming her, but... Showing her? Showing her. Yeah. And... Uh, and then, and also showing footage of because now she's recognisable, she's getting abused in the street. Yeah. Uh, but then they're also making fun of her. Yeah. And then calling her, uh, essentially calling her a liar. Yeah. Uh, it it is it is really muddy and immoral. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not it's not also like they were breaking a story. Like she's admitted uh, lying mm. previously. Like it's not uh, news to anyone that you know she's actually told a variety of lies, etc. Um, I think uh, it's yeah. So it's not in in that sense, you know. Even if uh, I I don't think that would make it defensible, you know. If they were say break your story, like if you had say a politician on, and you know you had an off air moment of some kind where they revealed that they'd in fact you know d done something wrong or whatever. Um, I still think you should give them an opportunity to respond, but. I don't think, like what Visard was saying, that it'll give people more information and an opportunity to reflect on it, I think is absolute BS, and this, and this issue, with this girl particularly, it's, it's almost, it's, it's approaching sort of quicksand levels of proportions and, you know, almost inception-like in its levels. You know, she's lying, she's not lying, she's lying, yeah. she's not. At some point, 
you know, people who are wiser and have a bit more experience than her need to say, we're not going to put her on air, yeah. you know, to have Absolutely. that responsibility. Because she, clearly she doesn't have that, you know. And she's a 17-year-old girl. She's and 17. She had, she had someone in her ear telling her what to say the whole time. You can see her playing with her earpiece during that interview. If you if you know her name and you, you search for it on YouTube, that 7pm project clip comes up. Uh, we're not going to link to it on the on the box cutters. But like so. besides, all of this is is kind of complicated because of new media. Mm. And while the your main the main traditional uh, media didn't name her uh, for a long time, mm. she was still actually out there on Twitter, of course, absolutely putting putting out clips of herself talking to camera, talking about what she's what her what her allegations were, um, <coughs> talking about all St Kilda players at cancer and, and but, the, and, but this is but this is like I mean you so, know fifteen years ago there could have she might have been you know at school with her friends walking down the street saying the same things. I mean now just because she has that outlet to say it on the internet yeah. doesn't suddenly mean that the media standards can drop to well it's okay to do whatever. And I'm not I'm certainly not. I'm right with you on this, like what you're talking about. It's not a matter of defending her or saying she's right or yeah. wrong or anything like that. It's a matter of having ethics in journalism, which some, to some sounds like an oxymoron, but mm. really it, it, something needs to be thought of about this and there doesn't seem to be anybody taking that responsibility in this case. No, it seems like there's kind of this lynch mob mentality towards the girl. Cause, mm. and, and I have to say a lot of other outlets have just reported it without really... Exploring, like the, mm. including the age and a variety of other newspapers, um, the age has chosen to name her, and their excuse was, "Well, a lot of other media organisations have done that." And I, I don't really kind of buy that excuse either. Like, I think someone needs to just—you've just got to draw a line in the sand and say, "Well, well, no, you know." Where, but you we don't think, think her being wrong. open about who she is herself in in all of those online forums yeah. is no that's that's makes again, that any, that's, any difference with somebody that? is not taking care of her yeah mm. she is she is not she is not legally an adult, an adult. yeah uh, she is possibly the victim of a crime yeah and nobody is taking care of her and the the media has a responsibility to do the right thing in all situations. And At some point, ratings have to be sacrificed yep. for people's safety. And the co- the commonality in this situation with so many other, where there's possible sex crimes happening to women, is it becomes about she's a lying slut. Yeah, that's what it becomes about. Instead of, you know, that's the first pe- question people ask: Is she lying? What's her credibility? Instead of looking at the crime and and consider this has become what this whole issue is about now. Yeah. That you, for a while there, there was some, well, you know, things have happened and all those people seem to have stopped talking about the issues that Josh is talking about and have now just gone to, well, she's lying and, you know, mm. she's putting herself out there and asking for it and, you know, it just becomes about that. I think the mere fact that she makes decisions to, to tweet, etc., to draw attention to herself in that way doesn't make it, doesn't mean that big organisations... Uh, you know, whether it be TV or newspapers, should also uh, adopt the same approach. Like, I think they should have higher standards mm. than a 17-year-old girl. Yeah. Do you remember the Corey Worthington mm. case? Or Corey Worthington was this, party this kid. <laughs> he, he had a party. His parents, that's why his parents were away. And on uh, it was a current affair, wasn't Today, it? Tonight. Today, tonight. It was one, yeah, uh, one of those shows. Uh, the host kept trying to make him take his glasses off. Yes. Yeah. They did not pixelate his face. Yeah. yeah, tried to make him apologise and tried to make him take his glasses off. Yeah. Now, and he refused to take his glasses off, he said, because he thought that they made him look cool. But the other thing is, 
those glasses were obscuring his face. She shouldn't have made him or tried to make him do that. That was irresponsible. This is similarly irresponsible. And why... Why are they not being taken to task for like, it? That's what I, I want to know. Why is, mm. why is ACMA not not getting in on this? Mm. Why is the FTA not getting in on this? Well, I think obviously because the people who Australia. the people mm. who complain to ACMA tend to be the you know the, the far right wing Christian people who are easily offended. I mean, you know, a girl who is out and proud and saying, "Yes, I had sex with this person to get back at this person." There's, she's not the traditional person that's going to be defended by the people that complain to ACMA. They're, do you know what I mean? Mm. They've already attacked her credibility enough that people say, well, bad luck. Mm. But it, do, it, it even just fails the, the basic tests of what is the public interest here? Mm. What, what is the public interest here? And what is the worst case scenario of, of putting all of this out there? Yep. And the worst case scenario so far outweighs any public interest that there yeah. may... I mean, what, some manager acted inappropriately and, and lost his job? So mm. what? That happens every bloody day. Yeah. Mm. Why is it Why is it a big deal and why are they putting this girl at risk? Be- because of the pedestals that AFL footy players are put on uh, here and, and, you know, the beat-ups with any infraction from any of those players is the biggest the biggest story of the day. Well, it, yeah. se- it seems um, to me from all this news coming out that there are a lot of footy players <laughs> who are all pedestals. Yeah. And a lot of them committing infractions <laughs> mm. while um, there. Yeah. yeah to- you know, it's, it's these, uh, these latter-day expectations that they all should be completely clean that that's unreasonable well, yeah. that, that's and i can i can see that unrealistic point, that for, point for anybody well. that's human and, and especially in that kind of position where you know their footy players are out with the boys they're getting shitloads of money and and mm. they don't have anything to take up all their time with there's certainly structural issues it to do with the afl in that you know in even in the last 20 years ago afl players still had to have jobs you know even gary ablett yeah. before mm. he took a turn for the the worst mm. and that girl died he had to have jobs and he didn't really well, that girl, that that well girl allegedly died. <laughs> My bad, sorry. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's, it's a really recent, and when we talk about the new mm. media issues to do with this as well, we also need to talk about what you're saying, that AFL is a, a much more complicated beast now than it used to be, and they're really not keeping up with what people's yeah. expectations of them are. Who, who is paying for her mobile phone? Right. Who, who is doing all of this stuff mm. for her? Who co-signed her mobile phone contract? Who, mm. who did all of this stuff that gave her access to all of this new media that she can go out and, and cause herself harm as well? Yeah. Mm. No one's looking into that. Everyone's just trying to make a, a headline out of it. Yep. And, and I, think, I, I think Australian viewers are losing out because they're being made to, to be idiots to just lap all of it up. Mm. Yeah. Toby Halligan, thank you so much for, for joining us as part of news. We'll see you again during Trotters. That is the Boxcutters News. Hi, this is Lawrence Mooney. I've been on the telly, and if you're into televisual delights, then there's only one show you need to be listening to, and that's Boxcutters. Get your ears into it. Hey, you know, Lawrence Mooney has been on the telly, and one of the things that he's been on is uh, City Homicide. But one of the other things <laughs> that he's been on is Winners and Losers, yes. a show that started on Channel 7 this year. It is an Australian show. We are reviewing an Australian show from a free-to-air network. Commercial free-to-air network. You see, everybody, we do do it from time to time. This is going to be awesome. Yeah. So, Winners and Losers, brand new show from Channel 7. Is it? I thought it was like a couple of months old. Oh, it's a couple of months old, but, you know, it's brand new this year. Uh Uh-huh. Brand new show this year. Brand new this decade. (laughs) Who, if Channel 7 were going to get anyone to make a new show for them, who... I don't know. I know. You reckon... 
Oh, I know. What about Bevan Lee and John Holmes? No. Yes. Really? Yeah. Those guys. I know. Aww. Crazy. <laughs> Crazy. Do you, so, think, do you think it would be anything like Pack to the Rafters, but for younger people? <gasps> Is Pack to the Rafters not for younger people? I thought it's family viewing. Uh, well, yeah. It's a little bit like that. Mm. It's shot exactly the same. Uh-huh. Uh, it All of Melbourne, if you're to believe winners and losers, all of Melbourne is Docklands. <laughs> oh, what a, what a bleak vision of our fair city, shall I say. Oh, where are we going to have lunch? Well, what about Collins Wharf? <laughs> really? <laughs> really, Collins think- Wharf? Is that just, does that just happen to be across the road from Channel 7? I think it does. I think it's important to represent the uh, 0.001% of people that actually go to Docklands. You know, I think that's good. You probably get the good tourism money from it. Uh, yeah, the government's they have to really pay. gagging for anybody to go down to Harbour Town, saying there's no freaking wheel to take them down to. I've been to I've been to Docklands uh, four times. Three of those times was for Channel Seven. One was for Channel Nine. So I used to I used to go to Docklands because I worked at Channel Seven. Yeah, hey, there you go. funny that. There you go. So we, winners and losers created by Bevan Lee and John Holmes, uh, who are Channel Seven stalwarts. Uh, it yeah. stars uh, it stars Melissa Berglund as Jenny Gross. Uh, she'd be the fat one that you can see in the posters. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she, because she's fat, she also has to have crazy glasses and, and red crazy hair. hair. Red hair. And she lives at home with her parents. Because yeah. that's what fat people do. That is what fat people do. Yep. Her parents, by the way, are very excellently played by Denise Scott and Francis Green Greenslade. Greenslade. Yep. Uh, Virginia Gay, who you might remember from All Saints as... That nurse. The blonde one. That nurse. Nurse, <laughs> nurse I can't believe you're as young as your bio says. Yeah, she does. Yeah, she really, she really looks thirty-five for a twenty-two-year-old. <laughs> she what? always has. I know. Maybe she came out looking like that, just baby with thirty-five-year-old face. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, it's still good to see old? her getting work. Yeah, she, she's she's really young. <laughs> I know, but she looks she <laughs> looks subtle. Right, so, <laughs> and now she's playing a twenty-eight-year-old, which is pretty much playing her really? age. But yeah, she looks like my mum, doesn't she? Yeah, and I'm twenty-eight. Yes. <laughs> 28, just just a little bit over? Yeah, just recently, a over. just yeah. a little bit over. We can show your face. <laughs> and it looks me. my age. It does look your age. age. It does. Yeah. It does. Uh, Zoe Tuckwell-Smith uh, as Beck, who we've never seen really in much stuff. She's just just little bits here and there. Uh, Melanie Vallejo, who... <laughs> Sorry, I just read what it said. She was in Power Rangers Mystic Force. Ah. And she was also impacted to the rafters. She had quite a big role there. But Power Rangers Mystic Force, that's where you'd all... You might remember her as Blue Power Ranger. I reckon yeah, she did more interesting emotional work on Power Rangers Mystic Force. And uh, I think she did as well. And also uh, Damien Bodie and uh, Blair McDonough, uh, both from Neighbours, but Blair also uh, <laughs> from Sorry. Big Brother. Yeah. He's looking pretty old these days. Yeah, you know why? Because he's old. Is he? Well, he's old. He's 10... Ten years older than he was on Big Brother. How old was he on Big Brother? Four. But, you know. I reckon he's had a hard partying lifestyle and now he's only come to ground in winners and losers. So where all his hair's gone. He's had that neighbours partying lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. In London for two years like Jason Donovan. He's come back. (laughs) So the the, the story behind uh, winners and losers, four women in their late 20s. (sighs) Decide to go to their high school reunion despite the fact that they're all bullied while there. Oh, at the high school reunion? Why would they go back if they were bullied at the high school reunion? Oh, this sentence makes no sense. But they did. I know. It doesn't make any sense. I know. But that's what happens. After, after leaving the party early, they stop at a convenience store, buy a lottery ticket, win the lottery, and then they've really got something to complain Who about. Who wrote this? I wrote that. Y- did you? Yeah. 
Really? Yeah. Well, the first sentence makes no sense. And that bit what, do you, what do you mean the first <laughs> sentence makes no sense? They were bullied. They were bullied in high school and then they went to their high school reunion. Yeah, there is a squinting modifier. <laughs> True. Yeah. True. Which means it, it looks like you're referring to the high school. They were bullied at the high school I know, reunion. I know what you're saying. It's not that it doesn't make sense. It's that it's ambiguous. And welcome, Grammar Girl, to uh, Box Cutters. Good to be here. Thank you. Uh, and uh, anyway, so now they have something to complain about. I thought that was funny because they were whinging before. Sorry, I just hate the show. <laughs> it's no use. Really? So what did you think of Winners and Losers? <laughs> it's amazing. I've really only watched a couple of episodes, sort of about half of them, because I didn't want to self-harm and I guess it was on. <laughs> and really, self-harming was the better option of the two, to be perfectly honest. It's just appalling. It's appalling to me. The, the, the girl, the fat girl with the red hair who lives at home with her parents, she's also a virgin. So they have to, like, pimp her out because she's never had sex with anyone. So they've got to make her have sex with someone because otherwise she's a total loser. Like, there's no so levels at all. It's to basically the, the same story as we saw in The Amazing Johnsons. Almighty. Almighty Johnsons. I yeah, kind of, but different because none of these people are Norse gods. Oh. And oh, I've got to get you a copy of Almighty Johnsons. You do? You'll love it. Will I? Y- yeah, you will. But it's yeah. like this. He no. Just, he just said it's like this. Yeah, he's lying, though. He's oh, being he's sarcastic. Except they are trying to pimp out a virgin. Oh, that's more interesting. Yeah. Uh, when you put it like that, that's interesting. The, oh, sorry. sorry, John Howard's here. Well, uh, <laughs> the, uh, so the, the, thing, the thing that got me about Winners and Losers, I, I, I watched the first four episodes. You're uh, hardcore. And, uh, yeah, but, you know, I was doing crochet at the time or something. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. As they went by like a blur. There is no one to sympathise with. Mm-hmm. In, in these in these four characters, I don't know who we're supposed to are we supposed to sympathise with Beck, who is in a loveless relationship with Blair McDonough, who uh, who, who just wants her for the sex but doesn't want to commit to her until she's two million dollars richer. Richer, mm. or are we supposed to uh, are we supposed to sympathise with Jenny, who is the fat girl with red hair and glasses, who is also a virgin who lives at home with her parents and is just the whingingest person in mm. the world. If she was on The Amazing Race, you would want her out as soon as possible. Mm. Uh, are we supposed to uh, sympathise with Sophie Wong, who was fat, is now thin mm. and lives a party lifestyle mm. and is a really selfish bitch? Or, uh, or are we supposed to... Uh, Sympathise with Frances, who uh, who is a very successful businesswoman who is now also a multimillionaire and still uh, going to a shitty job and in is South Melbourne. Very boring. It feels like it feels like any number of temp jobs I've had where I've turned up and gone, well, this is a life I'd never like to have. <laughs> you know, it's really like sitting and watching that, and then you go, well, that's over, thank God. And then and then the, the one saving grace is uh, scenes with Denise Scott and Frances Greenslade. <laughs> Uh, and and there they also did you ever watch Felicity? Either of you? No. Yes. Okay. Re- I can't you, believe out of the two of us, it was you that had watched it. Do you remember? <laughs> do you remember the counselor who uh, played Felicity? Kerry uh, Russell. Kerry Russell. It was JJ Abrams' show. Go on. Uh, in in Felicity, there was a counselor, a campus counselor. Uh, who would sit in her office, smoke, and tell Felicity why her entire life was bullshit? And she was essentially the voice of the mm. of the audience, mm. uh, just going, "You know what? Just make a decision, or don't. No one cares." Yeah. And and her scenes were magnificent, mm. and uh, and that's kind of what we get with uh, with Denise. Scotty and and Francis. Mm. Here is a scene where they're explaining to Jenny, fat redhead. 
glasses. Loser. Loser, virgin, loser at home with her parents while giving her a salad sandwich on white bread. Because she's fat. Uh, we love you, but get the fuck over it. Yeah, pretty much. It's just so unfair. Oh, hang on. I forgot to mention the important bit. That's going to stop. <laughs> well, that it's going to stop. But also that uh, that when they bought the lottery ticket, oh, yeah. fat loser Jenny did not want to go in on the lottery ticket. She didn't want to put in her dollar fifty because she said it's never going to happen. They're never going to win. But then she gave her birthday dates mm-hmm. to them for the numbers that ended up winning the the major major lottery. It's Courtney loves this bit so much. Get yourself worked up. We're talking about millions of dollars. I understand. They're my friends, Mum. At least I thought they were. We picked the numbers together. If I wasn't there, none of them would have won. I know, love. What do they need all that money for anyway? Frances has a really awesome job, so she's probably already loaded. I bet what she wore at the reunion cost a whole lot more than $79.95 on sale. I'll never be able to think of her without seeing those yellow pants she wore to casual day at school that year, remember? You could forget. For years, I thought that's why they called her a lemon. The thing is, love, I don't think any of them are doing this to be mean. They obviously think they're in the right. If I won the money, I'd give them some. Dad? Of course you would, love. I already know how I'd spend it too. I'd give some to everyone. And then I'd quit my stupid job. That would be the best part. I'd walk up to my dickhead boss, look him straight in the eye and tell him to shove it. Sounds like he'd deserve it. I can't believe they're not going to share. People are funny about money. It's to be expected. And I mean, yes, the money would have been all well and good, but we're just not lucky like that. And it doesn't matter. We're not greedy. We've got more than enough of everything we need. Exactly. I reckon we used up all our luck getting each other. And have three million dollars each. Three million. What are they going to do with it all? Jenny, come on, stop it. You didn't put in when you had the choice, so you can't complain now that they've won. But they used Yes, my... I know they used your numbers, and if you hadn't been there, they wouldn't have won. But at the end of the day, did you or did you not say, count me out? Yes, but I just never thought that... That they'd win. Yeah. Right. Well, they did. It's too late. Can you be on my side just a little bit? We love you to death, Jen. But sometimes that means we've got to tell you the things you don't want to hear. We didn't raise you to be a whinger, much less resent other people's good fortune. So you be the girl I know you are. I love that scene. I love that scene (laughs) because that's the characters in the show saying, we don't care about this (laughs) storyline. For ages. For ages. I just spent the whole time wishing I'd had a frontal lobe lobotomy while I was listening to that. And I still wouldn't have enjoyed it. So you don't like winners and losers, Courtney? It's all right. <laughs> Have you dipped in later on? Because these are these are the very early episodes. These, these, these are early episodes. Look, okay. I have not. I've not I, seen anything I, past episode four. I had it on while I was doing some ironing last week. Mm. Yeah, it's that kind of show. There's it not is. a lot on on Tuesday nights. To be fair, this is my problem. It is that kind of show. It is a nothing show. Why don't Why don't one of the f- Free to wear commercial networks make a show that bloody means something because that would involve someone making a commitment to something that some other people might not like and that might lose money. So why would they do that? But this this show is just filmed across the road. They could halve the number, push everyone in the sea, <laughs> and have the story be about that. How's I would watch that Channel Seven if you're listening. If you push these people into the ocean, 
or Docklands Water, whichever drowns them quicker, I would watch. Swimmers and losers. <laughs> <laughs> but also, <laughs> the Zing. writing is just horrible. The dialogue oh, that these yeah. people are saying is just... Oh, it, dear, don't so you worry. It's so cringy. Yeah. I, can't believe, I can't believe that... that that responsible actors are actually saying oh. these lines. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Here's, here's where uh, Beck's fiancé buys, buys the boat. Why are you doing this? You bought a boat? Well, it would be sitting here if I didn't. Do you like the name? I chose it for you. How much boat's did called it Lucky Lady. It was a bargain. How did you pay for it? Took the money out of the bank. The money we'd save for the wedding. I can't believe you touched that without asking. You get the lottery money next week. What's a big deal? We can't just throw money around or whatever we want. Of course we can. That's exactly what we should be doing. You went shopping? I bought a toaster. Two slots. I didn't even get the four. <laughs> Sorry, but come on. We can afford four slots. I just don't think we should go crazy. Okay? You, know, you know what, you know what I'd, I would buy if I, if I had two million dollars? A fork to stick S- in that toaster? Subtext. <laughs> it's so relatable, though. <laughs> It's so relatable. This is I, exactly what happens to young couples. It is. It, it's like the sandwich that they served her. It is white bread, basic salad, nothing offensive. So I just think you're being, convenient. I like white bread. I think you're being offensive to white bread. And if we don't stop talking about this, I'm going to stab myself with a pen. The other, the other thing is that these people are making such a big deal about what these days is not an absolute life-changing win. You know, $2 million dollars isn't isn't enough to to never have to work again if you're going to go out and buy stupid freaking speedboats well, like that that is true cast up bogan asshole fiance wants to go do it is it is it well is, you can't even you can't even buy a decent house for that it is about cubs for cubs mm. that's winners and losers it's on uh channel seven on some nights during the week who knows is this still happening i passed out for a minute uh you can watch it if our review entices it to you Good evening, viewers. This is Sandra Sultry. I've been playing with my box on the box cutters. Hi, I'm Toby Hannigan. You'll have heard me doing trotters as part of box cutters, if you listen all the way to the end of the show. I've been wanting an intro track for trotters for ages, but Josh says we can't afford it. So how about you help a brother out? Donate to box cutters, and then maybe Daddy will give Baby his bottle. Hang on, I can't save that. Just say what it! You, what are you getting me to do? Say it! <sighs> There are donate buttons on the website at boxcutters.net. Thanks. Looking to cut boxes? Well, you've come to the right place because you're on the box cutters. You've podcasted and you're boxing the cut. You're cutting the box with the box cutters. Ooh, yucka, 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 yucka. Peter Rosethorn, box cutting friend. <laughs> Pete Rosethorn has pumped me up. He's pumped me up, Brett. Pumped me up. You know what else has pumped me up? Is the uh, cure for what ails you. What else pumps you up, Josh? <laughs> See, you distracted me. Don't stop. Don't stop. You distracted me and killed my buzz. Lawrence Lung. Lawrence Lung's got a new show called Unbelievable. And uh, and I thought, you know what? It'd be great if Lawrence Lung could come into the show uh, and and talk about it. And then we changed the the time of the show. So clearly Lawrence couldn't make it in. Uh, So in his stead, we've got Lawrence Lung. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. Yeah, I just lurk around the studios until (laughs) someone says my name. Hi, I'm here. Nice. It's kind of like a Muppet. You go, hey, Lawrence Lung, and then I pop up from behind the couch. (laughs) See, what I did there was a little bit of, uh, I learned that from ABC programming, where it's like, we've got these shows coming up this year. And then, oh, no, we don't have those shows coming up this year at all, except we've got those shows coming up that you asked for. I thought it was like a magician's trick, like, look at my hand, and then there's a rabbit coming out of my other arm. 
or something. Sure. Yep. It's so misdirection. It, it was it was misdirection. Job. It, uh, you both fooled me completely. <laughs> <laughs> How are you, Lawrence Lung? Yeah, I'm pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty so pumped. Yeah. First, first time on Box Cutters. Uh, so yes. you must feel pretty good about that. Yes, first. Uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, sure, sure. You've got a national TV show coming up. Uh, box yeah, Cutters. Box Cutters. And well done on your award at the recent... Uh, <laughs> Uh, science fiction convention, you, the uh, Audi Award. Thank you very much. Uh, we we did we did win the the Kronos and uh, and yes, every <laughs> panel that John and I did, we did have it on the desk in front of us, <laughs> just <laughs> just to nail that into the other losers. Screw you guys. <laughs> Who are the other nominees in the uh, sci-fi world? You know what? Here's 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 something that uh, that that will surprise nobody. We had no idea that we were nominated. <laughs> <laughs> none none whatsoever. Uh, all the other nominees, even though it was for best publication, all the other nominees were uh, podcasts as well, and all the other nominees were on at least one of the other podcasts that was nominated. So, say there was there was uh, Ian Mond was uh, was nominated for his role in Writer and the Critic, but then there was another podcast that Ian Mond was on. So, so all these other people, the, the three other podcasts were like this incestuous group that just wow. split the vote. It's like the Kronos wants to uh, to reach out and get away from that incestuous pool. It's it's like that. Or they split the vote, or whatever it is, maybe we're just better. Is the Kronos, you <laughs> just get that alien character from The Simpsons and sit that on the desk? Is that what the Kronos is? Uh, no. Does it look like the chest burster from the movie Aliens? Oh, now I'm disappointed in the award. <laughs> Lawrence, high five <laughs> I just love how it's for publication Best publication And this is a podcast I know I've, point, I've pointed that out to them I've tried every you, way possible To give to, the award back but, yeah, And yet, just go no. Clearly we don't deserve this Because A, we had no idea And uh, and B, are you aware that we're not a publication? They won't, we don't care anymore But every episode begins with us Publishing the post Ah, oh, yes. oh man, that's a stretch. Yeah. And you do subscribe to it. Mm-hmm. Hey, why don't we talk to Lawrence about his TV show? <laughs> because this is my award is more interesting. <laughs> See how it's my award now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I did notice that, that actually. Yeah. Uh, Lawrence, tell us tell us about unbelievable. What what are you doing in this? Because because you're a you do kind of <laughs> <laughs> sounded like you're about to be hideously racist. You're no. a. Uh, oh. <laughs> You, your your shows generally are kind of they're kind of stunt shows. Like you 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 come up you come up with a I, I mean that in a in a nice way because I oh, I thought you just meant I was short, <laughs> not stunted, yeah. not stunted. Yeah. No, okay. no, no. St- st- like you, you come up with you come up with a concept and then it's like oh he's never going to be able to pull that off and then you pull it off, which is your uh, well I, I I would kind of term it um, going off on adventures or quests, and I'll take your point that I often don't. Uh, achieve my quest <laughs> and I fail in the most glorious ways possible but uh, luckily uh, when it fails it's comedy that's true like uh, well f- for anyone that saw your comedy festival show this year Lawrence Lang wants a jetpack yep you didn't fail as such um, but you know the jetpack the jetpack failed yeah. <laughs> the jetpack failed but but you went you went on this quest and you tried it and you went yeah. and you did this yeah. this amazing thing uh, that that show was fantastic. The, oh, thank you. And the, the, the film at the end... For, are you, are you going to be doing that around Australia? Are you, yeah. So I'm not going to spoil Don't it for people. Don't spoil it, no, no. Can I might do it in Melbourne again, actually, maybe sometime It's a wonderful in July. show if anyone gets the chance to see it. Go. Yeah. It's amazing. So basically, um, I, I've, I've got so many obsessions and little sort of side interests. And you know when people do um, stand-up comedy about things, it's usually about whatever 
they're obsessed with at the mm. time, be it, you know, politics or something that happened in current affairs or something they saw on TV or, you know, the little bit of lint that they found, mm. you know, on their jacket. You've just described oh. Toby Halligan's next show. <laughs> Blue Wang. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in jokes. <laughs> so good. Yes, but yes. We'll talk about the Watchmen. So uh, they're, they're, usually, they're usually about that. They're usually about those kinds of yeah. obsessions. And, yeah. and uh, I guess maybe... Um, you know, I was sort of plummeting the the different obsessions I had as a kid for the first series I made a couple of years ago for ABC called Choose Your Own Adventure, mm. where um, I guess the idea was trying to do all the things I've always wanted to do as a kid but never got around to, mm-hmm. such as, you know, meeting MacGyver <laughs> or learning to break dance from Shabadoo from the movie Electric Boogaloo, uh, you know, sort of things like that. Uh, whereas this time around, um, instead of sort of reliving my childhood adventures, I decided maybe to go off on some adult investigations uh, into things that fascinate me. And when I say adult, I don't mean like, you know... <laughs> There's no vivid wang, video. Yeah, yeah. Wang, wang, no blue wang, no that's blue what wang. we're saying. Yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> Adult-themed adventures. <laughs> <laughs> so so this, is more, this is more like a skeptic's guide to, to uh, the imagination kind of thing. It's, it's, it's well, like, these, these are things that that a lot of people don't believe, but a lot of people do believe, and you're finding out. Yeah. The shows, I guess, um, uh, the science documentaries that I saw in high school and university, I, I thought if I was to make a science show about something that which, which I find interesting and, and make it really as funny and as fun as possible, it would kind of be this series. So I'm looking at the unbelievable in terms of um, the irrational and the impossible. Like one episode, The first episode's about psychics. Uh, then there's an episode about ghosts, then UFOs, and then so that's the paranormal stuff. And then the second half of the series is a bit more sort of everyday. So I look at like magicians and how they fool us, and then see if I can try to fool a master magician. And there's also an episode about manipulation and psychological psychological trickery. Um, I met the guy who's the world champion at poker. He's like this 22 year old who won the World Series, and he taught me how to bluff. Also met the guy that, you know that TV show Lie to Me? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Tim Roth's character is based on this guy called Professor Paul Ekman who reckons he can read your body language and from your micro expressions in your face tell whether you're lying or not. Mm. And then then he and his girlfriend go and rob a diner. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) So um, so I've got episodes about that too. So I guess the series is um, me examining games of perception or trying to work out what's really out there and what's just in our mind. So a bit like a combination of like Louis Theroux and Dr. Carl. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh. That's great. Or, like a, like or, a hot combination of oh, Louis yeah. Theroux and Dr. Carl. Yeah. Mostly, mostly the Louis Theroux looks, <laughs> let's be honest, and then Dr. Carl's brain. That's I've, good. I've or, often thought that Dr. Lawrence and Louis, like cousins. <laughs> or Dr. Carl from Neighbours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like to call Are it. Are you going to whip out a guitar at some point? Or could he play some songs at Lassiter's? Uh, that's the first series, I think. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's kind of like Ghostbusters meets Mythbusters, I guess. That's, that's how I kind of pitched it to the ABC and they went uh okay <laughs> so, and, wow that's, and that's how you make a series that's, that's, that's your you ABC a, that's how you get a TV show uh, so, so I was, I was going to ask you about the pitch because this pitch obviously came after Choose Your Own Adventure yep. how did you go about getting Choose Your Own Adventure because you know there are a lot of, l- lot of young people out in the world Don't want their the own TV away. show what are you? give the tips away uh, give the tips away who did you bribe how did uh, you, who's Whose hand did you have to put a $5 note into? Uh, Well, let's see. Um, I I started writing for The Chaser um, 
uh, for the first two seasons of War and Everything mm-hmm. um, because they'd seen me do a lot of stand-up. And um, a, a lot of my, my stand-up, I guess, has a lot of like pranks and social experiments and things in it. So they thought I might have been qualified to you know, write jokes with giant props and <laughs> uh, you know, stunting politicians and things like, things like that. And uh, um, so, yeah, when they had a year where they were doing a live show, their production company and all, all the staff that worked at the ABC in their offices, they could have gone on, off on other projects and disbanded. But I, it was just good timing. I just said, oh, I've got this idea. What do you reckon? It's, it's called Choose Your Adventure, and it's about you know, trying to you know, be an adult but doing all the things that you're not qualified to do that you wanted to do as a kid. And they seemed to think it was a really good idea, so they gave me a shot. And also, I'm really good at giving hand jobs. <laughs> Great. Well, that's how you got into it. I'm only good at one of those things. (laughs) Now, uh, do do your parents uh, make a a, uh, great segue? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Talking of soft hands, (laughs) my my parents stole the last series from under me. They they were fantastic. Um, And you have you barred them this time? Like, hey, you're stealing my thunder. Get out of the spotlight. I barred them on my telephone too. No, no. (laughs) Um, Mum and Dad were awesome in that series. Um, it, there were so many situations where, so we're playing out the scene and I've gone, oh, so Mum and Dad, the scene's kind of about this. Um, you know, say whatever you want, but if you could say these lines, <laughs> can you say them? And Mum and Dad aren't actors, so they just, just, they just can't do it. Mm. But what they said naturally was just funnier. And there were lots of takes where, you know, the camera crew and myself were just pissing ourselves laughing, so I had to go and reshoot that again. Go, what did we do wrong? I'm sorry. No, we haven't. You were, you were really good. Do that again. Cause, but they can't, because they can't do the same take twice. Seeing them, seeing them do that made me realise how shit Greeks on the Roof was. Mm-hmm. Because mm. if we were going to do a version of, of the Kumas at, at 42, yeah. it should have been the lungs. <laughs> oh, yeah. The lungs oh, with guests. No. Like, that just would have been... Genius. Oh, what? <laughs> parents. He really is into that idea. Yeah. That would have been genius for everybody <laughs> Except else. Except Lawrence, yes. <laughs> My dad would be like, what was your enter score? <laughs> <laughs> would he ask questions about tax, do you, you think? You got, <laughs> you got 95. What happened to the point nine five? You know? <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, my parents um, aren't in the new series. Although my mum... Her voice makes cameos in two episodes. In fact, she's in the very, very first scene of Choose Your Own Adventure. Um, but basically, uh, Choose Your Own Adventure, for me, um, I didn't sort of realise how big and wide the audience was. I, I usually just write comedy shows, like my stand-up shows with audiences just like myself. Mm-hmm. But when you make a show about reliving childhood and stuff, you, you find when you make a DVD cover called Choose Your Own Adventure <laughs> and then you go to JB Hi-Fi and they've stocked it in the children's section. It's like, oh. <laughs> so I decided, you know, I, I want to sort of, you know, move on <laughs> from, from my childhood adventures and do a series like this. And so the first episode, I, I wrote this scene where at the very beginning, um, mum sort of rings me up. And I'm, I'm talking, because the first episode of Unbelievable is about psychics and I was sort of pointing out when your phone rings and often sometimes people talk about how I was thinking about someone mm. and just as I was thinking about them, the phone rang. Like, how can you tell whether it's just a coincidence or is there something spooky going on? And as I'm doing that, I, I wrote this sequence where my mum keeps ringing me up and, <laughs> and harassing me. And I, I basically say, listen, I'm not a child anymore. It's time to move on. And that's kind of my nod to the previous series because the fans obviously love to hear my mum's voice. But at the same time, <laughs> I'm saying, all right, time to move on. <laughs> like, leave my mum alone. <laughs> yeah, leave my mum alone. And also, um, you know, I'm not a kid anymore, mum. So, yeah, that's, that's the launch pad to the new series. It's like that's the joining scene. 
I can't wait to see it. I'm really excited it's, about this. Uh, yeah, I've, I've only seen the, the sneak preview. That uh, I haven't even seen that. Oh, I haven't seen nothing. It's totally hot. Yeah, I bet it is. It is totally hot. <laughs> uh, how much has having your own TV show helped audiences in uh, in in live shows? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, I think it has helped in terms of uh, numbers, and it it has kind of. Uh, it hasn't helped in the sense that I still write the type of shows that I've always done, which mm-hmm. have been just, you know, um, you know, personal adventures and talking about the things I love and things like that. Um, where I, I used to get kind of like a young professional or uni crowd mm-hmm. or hipster crowd, uh, and people <laughs> used to write up, yeah, indie heartthrob Lawrence, there's a show <laughs> about trying to learn to break dance. <laughs> and this Jetpack show is kind of like no different in the sense of humour. But because there's um, a wider, broader audience, like uh, there's a lot of older people as well, and a lot of people brought their families too because maybe their kids were fans of Choose Your Own Adventure. So I, I had a few um, uh, reviewers write, it's a family-friendly show. <laughs> I was like, oh, well, I, I, I'm still swearing in it and talking about, you know, I had like one joke about, I know, wanking machines and things like that. <laughs> but, but the perception is because the, the, the audience is broader, that maybe my style has changed, but it's actually the same style. And so the good thing is I realised that, you know, my, my, I guess my comedy and take on things is appealing to a wide audience, but it has kind of changed the demographics within my shows. Hmm. It's good. It's good for you to know, too, that you haven't changed. You know, a lot of people say, since this person got famous, they've changed what they do, they've sold out, blah, blah. It's good that you're like, I've always done the same thing and now more people come. And that's that's all that it is when yeah. people have that really cliched sold-out reaction. It's, well, it's They yeah. sold out because people came. I was hearing Pat Oswalt interviewed on Mark Maron's show and he was saying that... Because uh, he did King of Queens, and then he got a lot of live shows off the back of King, mm-hmm. King of Queens. But he was doing a lot of eight o'clock shows, and people brought their families because he was the guy of King and Queen, yeah. King of Queens. And uh, and getting booked for a uni show where they were all fairly conservative, and and the people would people would walk out because he oh, is right, yeah. he is not a family comedian by any stretch. People make the assumption that if you're on the television, you must be all right for everyone and my children. Yeah, so he's he's had to pull it back and take control of every single live show that he does. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but because your your TV shows are essentially your live shows, but uh, half an hour over, se- <laughs> over several weeks and, yeah. and filmed, uh, I suppose that, yeah, that, that would just be people know exactly what they're going to get. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's really interesting because um, a lot of people's uh, entry point to seeing my stuff might have been the first TV series, Choose Your Own Adventure. So they haven't seen, you know, all of the you know, stuff I do about secret societies. And I did a show about con artists and scams and shows about, um, you know, ghost hunting and skeptics and stuff mm. like that. So people... Th- thought when they went along to Jetpack that I was just going to do the whimsical adventures of Lawrence. Yeah. When so, they all have been. <laughs> so, so can you can you tour the country now pulling out old material and just and just really go with that because people know you but haven't seen all of that stuff? I don't know. I mean, I tried to do um, one of my old shows uh, at one of the Brisbane festivals recently, a couple of years ago, and I found because I had changed so much as a person mm. that when I was performing my material about being such a <laughs> luckless loser in love, people just didn't buy it. Yeah. They were mm. like, come on. That's the, that's the thing, I think, with with Australian stand-up particularly. It's so geared to you write a show and it's so personal and, and it's a show. It's not like 
club bits because there's not that much of a scene around here to just do bits at. So like in your your example, you know, people might only know you from your TV show and you have all this back catalogue and all that experience of writing, which is great, and that's what makes it easy for you now to go, well, I can write stuff. But you can't just go back and go, yeah, I'll just wheel out my material about banging hoes because it's not, <laughs> you know, like it's just not what we do here. Yeah. And so, you, yeah. so you know, you can if you do a show at one time, you can probably tour it for a couple of years at yeah. the time. But it really does. You just look at it and go, I looked at my shows and gone, well, I can't say any of that anymore. That's right. So I don't even think that because you yeah. don't even bang all those hoes anymore. Anyway. <laughs> if, if you do need jokes, if you do need jokes about banging hoes, Brett's got like a briefcase full of them. <laughs> He'll sell them to you. A briefcase full of hoes? Are you a serial killer? <laughs> yeah. No, no, content, content. <laughs> okay. Skull. Yeah. killer it, and, and very good dicer. <laughs> Brett yeah. Dexter Cropley. <laughs> <laughs> but it is true. I mean, um, the the comedy industry in Australia is quite small compared to the US and the UK where people can trot out their 20-minute routine mm. for their entire careers. Mm. Whereas um, in our clubs here... You might turn up back at the same club again, you know, within three weeks, four weeks. And, and everyone's like, I and heard the same it. audience will be there. So yeah. you can't do the same joke twice. Mm. You know, in many ways, we should have become musicians where we can do our songs and people just want to hear that same song over and so over like again. Like that Sing guy, along. Jordan Paris, which is essentially what he was doing on <laughs> yeah. Australia's Got Talent. Yeah. Except other people's comedy instead of songs. Have you thought about oh. uh, putting some guitar behind your jokes? Yeah. Can we talk about? Can <laughs> he we talk did about that. that? He did used to do that, actually. Yeah, I did. I I can't sing and I can't play guitar, <laughs> and they still weren't satisfied. Unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. I remember that. You were tiny. <laughs> so, so Lawrence, Thanks. you finished you finished shooting uh, Unbelievable in November, and yep. and the ABC have decided that now is the time to show it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> have uh, Have you got a second series? Uh, of unbelievable. Of unbelievable. Is that is no, that in your back pocket just no, ready to come out? No, I don't. I don't like doing like. It's not like a, a you know in America where they'll have mm. you know seventeen seasons of of two and a half men. Come on, what other wacky hijinks <laughs> could they possibly get up to? Yeah. Um. I, I I like that sort of BBC model where you know you do your six episodes and that's it. You know. <laughs> yeah. And then come up with a brand new idea and collaborate with all sorts of wonderful people so, for the next project. Yeah. So you don't find that the concept kind of would allow you to go anywhere. Oh, yeah, no, the concept, the, the idea of Unbelievable. Yeah, certainly, like, there's so much material. In fact, it was quite a challenge to to try to narrow down what I could possibly do. I, I heavily researched this show, and uh, a friend of mine called um, Richard Cook, who's a journalist, he and I were, you know, researching this entire show together. And, um, yeah, we, we could just go in all sorts of different directions. But in the end, um, you've only got six episodes, and and instead of going for many different episodes, why don't you pack in as much content and and fun and research and silliness into in, into every episode as possible, just to make it a bit of a ride? I think that's really good. That's a really interesting kind of thought about making television to to go that approach of I'm ma- I'm making this series and that's the series. And instead of like I know watching the first series of Laid was great, and mm. I was always kind of wondering. Well, it's one. It's clearly one series kind of thing, and I really enjoyed it, and it was great. And then it ended, and it was like, oh, shock ending, or but, or it didn't end. As well, a- as essentially, yeah. But it was such a good one season thing that I would have been quite happy for it mm. just to have been yeah. comfortable in that and said, okay, we've done one season, and that's that. Um, but it seems people aren't. I suppose it's a, a programming thing. Often programmers want, you know, if it worked once, then they can say, oh, well, we'll just. 
give it another season and keep doing it, and then they don't have to stress about recommissioning something. Yeah. But, Didn't um, Faulty Towers just have six episodes? Uh, Twelve. 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 That's it. Two seasons. Stop. Yeah. But yeah. over, <laughs> but over, like three or four years. So, so they had six, and then a really long break, and then another six. Yeah. I mean, I I really love that idea of. Um, it's it's like they're working on like theatre shows. Yeah, you know? well, a bit like comedy shows. You know, yeah. you don't write a comedy show and go, "I'm going to keep doing this forever." Yeah. You write the show, and also we don't have the team of writers that constantly churn out and then replaced like the American sitcoms, where they'll have you know, you know, hundreds of monkeys sitting in a room writing, mm. and then the following season they'll just replace a few and keep keep it yeah. going, just to try to keep which the can content change, coming. Like I've been watching the new series of the United States with Tara, which is great. Um, but I read a review and they said essentially it's been they've had three showrunners for the three series and it's essentially been three entirely different shows in the in all of the seasons and one of them's quite a light-hearted comedy one of them something else and this is quite sort of drama in a lot of senses this series and the showrunner really changes that and um, I don't think people recognize that necessarily certainly viewers don't look at it and go hmm a whole new team of writers with my same characters they just go oh, I like this show yeah <laughs> I like your viewer's voice. <laughs> that's great. I funny. make that voice. Yeah, that's that's yeah. that's good. Because yeah, I was going to say one one of the things that uh, sets you apart from uh, from other long form shows when when you're in a, a comedy festival or, or doing a season is your shows clearly start at least six months before the show actually goes up live. Like you 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 need to have that long lead time with all of your research. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's the same thing with your with your T V shows. There's clearly a lot of research that yeah uh, that goes into it. I think I think it's it's great stuff. I'm really looking forward to to seeing Unbelievable this Wednesday, first episode on ABC One at nine thirty PM. <laughs> <laughs> Lawrence Lung, thank you so much for coming into Box Cutters. Thank you very much. With, you're welcome back anytime. The award-winning box cutters. Oh, yes, thank you. <laughs> that! That's the worst coma acting I've ever seen! Is it my imagination or is TV getting worse? Ah, uh, this show ain't no good. That was so terrible, I think you gave me cancer. Oh, look out, Smithers! <laughs> I love this box show. God, he said, uh, didn't we do crap TV when we did uh, Winners and Losers, Brett? Oh, there's huh? a lot of anger still in the Still, room. she's still angry. Not even the joy of Lawrence Long can uh, can remind her of, of what life was once like before Winners and Losers. Mm. I'm so angry, I'm mute. <laughs> Um, now I'm I'm assuming by the way you're looking at me expectantly that uh, this is my crap TV. I have no idea what you're to- like last week you said oh, I've got a crap TV for next week so I put it in the in the I lineup. Did. This is And that's why I'm looking the, at you uh, expectantly good, hoping you're going to fill in the blank bits yes, of the show. Yes. Uh, I I wanted to talk about the advertising uh, that Channel 7 were were doing in the lead up to the premiere of Downton Abbey. Have oh, you guys yeah. uh, been watching it? No, I've no. heard about it. I hear it's good. I hear it's just da- upstairs, downstairs. What? Oh, okay. Before you were born, <laughs> and this is actually before you were born. Yeah, back in the nineteen seventies, there was, 1970s. There, mm-hmm. was a, there was a an English show called Upstairs Downstairs, which was uh, about uh, about rich people and their servants. Oh yeah. Back in the day. Okay, so that's what this is essentially. Apparently, yes, yes. Uh, from from uh, all accounts that I've heard, um, well, in the lead up, Seven ran uh, rather than kind of getting into any of that that kind of story stuff. Um, what they were doing was actually running basically a little mini commercial version of Twenty to One, where they'd have 
uh, C-grade kind of celebs talking about what a great show it was and how much they enjoyed it. But 20 to 1 of Downton Abbey. Of Downton Downton Abbey. Like, what the fuck are footy players? Like, they they, (laughs) they had Lee Montagna from uh, St Kilda talking about, oh, yeah, it was a great show. I love it. I'm going to keep on watching. Uh, What the fuck did I know about about, uh, TV and why should anybody listen to to, uh, what they're recommending to well, because oh, Channel Seven have lots of football stuff, and that's who they can, who their celebrities are. Was Sonia Kruger on it? Uh, Sonia Kruger no, still no, is Channel I think 7's she was too high a, a celeb. Also, I'm sorry. Sidebar: Sonia Kruger. I watched a bit of Dancing with the Stars last night in preparation for the show. Don't ask me why. I just tell myself that. And Sonia Kruger is like working damn hard and doing a good job. Oh, she's she's, she's great. Great. She she's great. I just didn't realize that she was still part of the Channel Seven stable. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Anyway, go on. She still on Star Dancers? Yeah. Still got the sparkly lights. She's ripping it up there. She's pulling out some flash lines. Very impressive. Yeah, F-list, uh, F-list celebs uh, <laughs> talking about how great something is just doesn't doesn't, doesn't gel with me. And, and it's just crap. Mm. Sounds more like an I don't buy it. No. Like a misnamed I don't buy it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Put it back in the box, cut his mixing machine, see what uh, see what it comes out looking at. Right, no. Either way, a, bit, a bit more time to eat in the oven. Yeah, yeah, a li- little bit, little bit more time in the oven. Curious but yeah, I, I, I get, I get what you're saying. Don't try to sell us stuff that not even you don't like. Channel Seven. <laughs> yeah, that you've had to pay people to like ostensibly. Yeah. So we're already paying you. So just say that you like it. Having said that, mm. it is rating quite well. Have you so, watched it? No. Okay. Has anybody? So, uh, it obviously doesn't work. It's got no. good figures. Yeah, because right. they're, they're following. So, back to the rafters. Did any of us watch that? I did in the beginning. Oh. And then they But that's because you, you thought it was a show about carpentry. If you watch one thing. So, I, I don't have HD television. Mm. Oh, no. What's going on? Well, I don't have it. I've never had it. Because it doesn't come through on the Foxtel. It doesn't come through on the... You've got to buy the special HD Foxtel to get it. And I've got an analogue TV. For for the free-to-air stuff. They charge more to to deliver the free-to-air Well, I don't have have an HD box. I've got a standard (laughs) definition Foxtel box. Oh. Yeah. That's... It came out before the HD came out, and we got. And they that. haven't and upgraded you. It's an extra That's ten not part of the service. No, it's an extra ten dollars a month. As oh, well. really? They charge yeah. you for that as well. Yeah, they charge you for uh, that. Ah, well. great. So I don't, I don't have that. So I didn't realise that on ABC Three, they're showing every weeknight at seven thirty-five, <laughs> Monday to Thursday. This so is not the, the kids ABC. Yeah, ABC thing. ABC yeah. Three. Yeah. Uh, the Avengers animated series. So not animated series. So not not, not the, the Sneed. Not the not the UK. 1960s Avengers, Mrs. but the Marvel Peele. Marvel Avengers. Oh. So, and, and this, I, I think it's starting this week. So, I think uh, m- Monday night uh, was like the uh, the birth of Iron Man, and Tuesday night uh, they're talking about the history of Captain America. And I just saw the descriptions of these shows. I went, oh, I really, really want them. <laughs> I really, really want them. So, if I was going to watch one thing and I had HD, it would be uh, 7:35 Monday to Thursday on ABC Three. 7.35 p.m. Weird time for a kid show. Yeah, I know. I know. Um, I, 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 um, I'm going with uh, Lawrence's show. Mm, Unbelievable. That seems on, good. On uh, Wednesday night at uh, 9.30. And uh, hopefully you'll be able to weather the torrent of uh, abuse from uh, a disappointed Hungry Beast 
fans. Mm. Well, yeah. Hungry Beast was there were a lot of fans of it this year. A lot of people. It was it was it. the best season they've done, and that's it for them, is it? I th- well, we don't know. We but don't possibly. know. The way they were talking about it, yeah. it sounded like they were coming back. They they said. It's the last one for the series. Oh, because when I was looking, I think, on Mark Fennell's Twitter, it sounded quite final, but maybe that's just yes, how I read it. Um, Mark, that's just and, what they and put Danny to it. Twitter as well, it sounded, mm. sounded quite final. Uh, who knows, but we well done. We burned all the sets. That, well done that kind on of that. Final. Yeah, yeah, they didn't have any Well, they turned sets, the screens but, off, yeah, so yeah. that's burning down the sets for Hunger they, Beast. Um, they cancelled their Skype. <laughs> So, like, that's, that's all they got. Do, yeah. Courtney. I, uh, controversially, uh, and possibly because it needs Winners the viewers. Winners and losers. <laughs> well, um, the ABC's equivalent at the moment, which seems to be Angry Boys. I'm still watching it. Yep. I found, I, I think, in a similar way to John Saffron's race relations last year, when it bled like a stuck bitch. Um, but viewers. It was, it, but it was, it, but, it was re- but that was really good. This is what I mean. It was really good. And this, I... I don't know. I'm not I it's kind of lost me but I'm sticking with it because I think something's going to happen and it's going to get better. I still have the faith. Well, they're all connected. Yeah, this is what they're I mean. They're all going to come people, together at some point people, and, and and there are people, some and then really we'll have, then we'll have 17 different versions and there are of Chris some really Lily lovely, on screen at once. People are, are so angry about Angry Voice. Like they are so as mm. if Chris Lily owes them Betrayed anything. Them. Yep. Exactly, and I think this is really his his show. I don't think we've I don't know if we've talked about this year, but this is his previous shows have worked on the two levels of people who kind of feel a bit inside, you know, in the know. Oh, this is ironic. It's clever, and the people who are just like it's funny. He said balls, you know. It worked on both those levels, and this is the first series where it doesn't. It works on the first level. That's it, and so it's bleeding out all those people who are like, uh, what about Jonah? What happened there? You know. Um, so I I have faith in him. I think there have been some really lovely moments in this, and some quite dark moments as well. It's and it's really it's dark. Interesting. Um, but I don't know. I don't. I can't promise you it's going to be good. But I, I <laughs> would urge you to stick with it. It's ABC One Wednesday nights nine, 9 p.m. Hey, um, when I cast my pod, it's with the box cutters in mind. Box cutters, pod, cast, done. Pork is on the table. Just before we bring in Toby Halligan with Trotters, Courtney, you said an interesting thing while we were talking to Lawrence about a comedian on Australia's Got Talent. Yes. What? Can, what can you film it? Because I, I don't watch that show no. uh, because uh, my DNA just won't allow it. <laughs> I don't watch it either, but I do read the interwebs. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a comedian, I'm putting this in advertent commas, by the name of Jordan Paris. Did you say advertent commas? Yes, okay. inadvertent commas. <laughs> Inverted commas, sorry. Um, I lose my grammar queen title now. Shit. So, uh, this Exclamation co- mark. <laughs> comedian by the name of Jordan Paris, who uh, was on Australia's Got Talent, and audition. <laughs> <laughs> I can't help it. We talk so much about winners and losers that I can't get it off my mind. So, it's Australia's big C. <laughs> so yeah. he so, was on there and he did a routine and he got through to the next round, but then it was discovered that he was doing other comedians' material, especially Lee Mack, who uh, is oh, a fantastic British yeah. comedian from some of the sketch shows that they have over there. I can't remember. There was Fast one. show yeah, he did. And- there was one that was on Channel 10, I think, here for a while. I can't remember what it's called. Was that not the Fast show? No, something else, I think. Uh. Anyway, uh, a great comedian. He was, and, and he didn't even... It was a joke about Robbie Williams, about, you know... Um, Robbie Williams gets up and says, hey, everyone, sing along. And, you know, if, if you just wanted 
if I just wanted to sing the song myself, Robbie, I wouldn't have paid 150 bucks. But Lee Maxline is 150 pounds. He didn't even convert it. <laughs> you know, he just changed the the currency at the front. He, did, he, didn't, mm-hmm. he, he didn't. He didn't even take the time yeah. to go 285 bucks and 23 cents. Correct. So you know, and Plus then there was a bit of an uproar about him stealing material, and a lot of people who don't know about comedy saying it's all right. Everyone does co- cover songs, which is not in any way comparable to that in the slightest. Uh, isn't and- it? Isn't that <laughs> what comedy is like? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Well, here's here's the thing. Here's, here's the thing about about comedies that used to be that there were just jokes and nobody owned jokes. Mm. And then good comedy happened and people started to own jokes. Mm. So, in in a way, he's right, you can't copyright jokes. No. Uh, so, Lee Mack can't go and see this. How old is uh, Joel, Joel, Jordan, Jordan, Jordan Paris? Paris? He's actually, he's in his early 20s. I actually looked at his website. If, you, if anyone wants to have a look, just Google Jordan Paris. It'll come up the first thing. It's like an abomination of this sort of Gen Y. He auditioned for Australian Idol about four or five times, perhaps seven I want to say seven, and eventually got on. He's basically, he thinks he's great at everything. He thinks he can act, he thinks he can sing, he now thinks he's a comedian. And the photos are just this awful, like, bright website and him pulling these, like, zany faces like he's Job on Arrested Development in his <laughs> magic career. It's appalling. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Well, uh, Toby Halligan, maybe uh, oh. you can, what? What, Brett? Sorry, what? Because, yeah, really, there's a very long episode now. No, no, that's fine. Oh, well, sure? well, just no, say, given that, say words given that we were talking not, about uh, Foxtel. Uh, there's, there was a little tidbit that I came over last week uh, advising that uh, those paying full advertised subscription price on Foxtel, uh, advising them that they actually set the price to what they think is the highest that people are prepared to pay, even if you can afford it and still you're still being blatantly ripped off. Well, it- no, that's that's just this how is why, commercial this practice is, works. This is why their retentions department, who keep calling you on disconnection day until you answer if you're letting it lapse and, and churning, give you insane discounts, uh, over 50%, apparently, uh, so easily once once you're actually saying that you're going to stop subscribing. Um, so, uh, so the advice was that uh, you stand up to them and not just let them laugh all the way to the back with your hard-earned mm. money. Um, that news, there there news are lots of in. discounts to get on, <laughs> news on just your in, in a capitalist society, people are going to try to charge you as much as you will pay. But still. <gasps> Toby Halligan, but still. you got some uh, trotters? I I certainly do. Brett, have you got some disgusting pig noises? <laughs> now I know it's time. Now I know it's time for trotters. I don't know what that noise was. That 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 actually sounded like someone being killed by a herd of pigs. I think it's a bush. Piss. Yeah, we did it for you. So um, Cronus, Cronus, Cronus. Cronus was actually um, the leader and the youngest of the first generation of Titans. Um, uh, they were divine descendants of Gaia, the Earth, and Uranus, <laughs> the sky. He overthrew his father, and um, he's usually depicted... Uh, he's, uh, he overthrew his father, Uranus, and is usually depicted with a sickle or scythe because he used it to castrate his father, Uranus. Aww. So I just thought, you know, you, you might like a bit of context on your reward. What you've won. Yes. You've won something you've that also will cut your balls off. God of time and death. Yeah. Together at last. Mm. And well, now that you're 21, Josh, we can tell you that that's who you are. <gasps> Excellent. But it's okay. Totally get to make out with hot Yay. Um, <laughs> uh, you, actually. Women. Uh, I'm gay. It's okay. I can say that. 
Wow. <laughs> Shock news just in <laughs> again. Nothing personal. <laughs> Okay, um, whatever. Blair, well, I, nothing personal. It seems a little worried, Toby. You just could in. just say no. <laughs> Gay men stop think tr- women are <laughs> I would rather fuck men. Huh? <laughs> uh, oh, wow. I'm really Glad winning at life, aren't I? Yeah, now, you and me both. Uh, earlier, um, during the interview with Lawrence, we made a reference to Blue Wang. Yeah. Uh, uh, that was actually... It's because off air we were discussing the watchman i thought people might be interested to know that uh, a, a brand of condoms has actually been released called blue wang <laughs> whose motto what? is we're society's only protection which so, are quite are nice. they a little tight yeah well, I don't, i'm not quite sure and i don't know whether they can control space and time either um blair i would like to me- no <laughs> let's let's move on from the blue wang okay. blair mcdonough is actually 30 Really? He's only... He's wow. Oh. Are you sure? Yep. Are you sure he's not 44? So, yeah. Seriously, meth. It makes you look older. <laughs> like. Oh, Courtney. What? Oh. I'm Courtney Hawking. What? Can we just uh, make clear that we don't actually believe that we don't. Um, Blair McDonough uh, has um, But if I, if meth. all I'm saying is if I was on Winners and Losers, that's what I'd have to be doing <laughs> to cope with that pain. That's all I'm saying. Um, Jordan Paris uh, tried out for Australian Idol four years in a row. He's 22. He tried out from 2004 to 2007. Um, uh, Melanie Vallejo uh, as the Bloom. I think it's Vallejo. Vallejo, sorry. Um, I I thought I'd describe her character um, uh, as the Blue Mystic Ranger. Please. uh, Instead of attempting to describe her character on Winners and Losers because it's... Well, she doesn't have one. Um, uh, the Blue Mystic Ranger, the self-dubbed sister with the common sense. Madison is an inspi- aspiring, her name's Madison, is an aspiring filmmaker and the most studious and kindest of the team. Huh? Being able to befriend almost anybody. <laughs> almost. incredibly lame? Almost anybody. As the Blue Mystic Ranger, she derives power from the element of water and can transform into the Mystic Mermaid. <laughs> she once kissed a frog and it became Daggeron. <laughs> I love Wikipedia. That's uh, that is far more interesting than her character in Winners and Losers. Yes, yeah, I figured. I figured it would be. Um, my also- my brother used to have a job uh, that involved him dressing up as the Red Power Ranger, and once he had a kid kick him in the balls while he was dressed as the Red Power Ranger. So he leant down and went, "I'm going to kill you," <laughs> and uh, the kid ran away screaming, but no one believed him. Oh, nice! So oh, nice. don't kick people dressed up in the balls. Don't kick people in the balls. Oh, yeah. Good point. Good point, well made. Um, As well... Dressed or undressed? (laughs) I appreciate... um, This is a long episode, and we've already talked extensively about the Tracy Morgan. I thought it was interesting, though. Chris Rock originally defended him, and he said... He tweeted, I don't know about you, but I don't want to live in a world where Tracy Morgan can't say foul, inappropriate shit. Um, But he's later released a statement. Uh, When I first heard the statement, I thought it was offensive, but it also reminded me of my father saying, I'll kill you if you ever bring home a white girl. But after reading everything Tracy said, wow, I get it. That shit wasn't called for, and I don't support it at all, he wrote. Which is good. Mm. Like, it's good, you know. Good on on you, Chris Rock, for uh, riding the wave of what may or may not be acceptable for you to say. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Interestingly as well, Tracy Morgan has just recently been awarded at the 51st Monte Carlo television festival called Nymph Awards um, uh, Most Outstanding Actor in a Comedy Series. Right. But that's yeah, because he was acting like he wasn't homophobic. Yeah. Mm. Impressive. Yeah. Wow, that's like Julian Assange winning some Peace Award. Mm. Sydney. Would you like... Um, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll only read one of these. These are. This was from a list of the top five most outrageous things he said. 
This is a quote from Tracy Morgan. Aside from, obviously, the stabbing of the kid thing. <laughs> I like crippled women. You ever have sex with a woman with, who, with like, a broken foot? Room smells like ass and Ben Gay or something. I don't even know what that means. Ben Gay is, uh, like, a muscle. It's, it's a bit like, like the... Denker up? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Okay. There we go. Yeah, that, that shit's funny. That brings us to the end of Box Cutters episode <laughs> yeah. 268. I want to say if you still uh, want to get tickets for Josh and John present uh, The Muppet Show at Acme during the live in the studio sessions at Acme in Melbourne, uh, tickets are still available. Go to the website acme.net.au or something. That's... Uh, Oh, it is acme.net.au. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Good work. I, I looked at my notes and found out I was right. Oh. Until next oh, week. Oh, I was say, surprise. thanks to Lawrence Long for yeah. coming in. Thanks, Lance. Lawrence, don't call him Lance. Watch his show uh, this Wednesday and the show that Courtney wanted you to watch. Mm-hmm. The one before it. Yeah. Just just, yeah. Pr- just pretend that you're warming up for Lawrence's hilarity by watching something that you Angry probably won't boys. like. Watch it. We, yeah. we did have uh, our anonymous Dave uh, over the week point out how the ratings are going with it. Yeah, mm, yeah it was an interesting was, read. Hemorrhage was a word that <laughs> I, I, I would use. Until next week, my name is Josh Canal. I'm Courtney Hawking. I'm Toby Halligan. I continue to be Brett Cropley. Thanks for listening to Box Cutters. Catch us again next week. Same bat time. Yeah. Same bat channel. <laughs> <laughs> and hey, let's be careful out there. Produced by Josh Canal with Brett Cropley and John Richards. Brett Cropley is our audio engineer. Peter Wilson coaxes all the bits out of our servers. If you enjoyed this podcast, please tell everyone you know and leave us a five-star review on iTunes. That will help other people find us and would mean a lot. Box Cutters thanks 3RRR, the greatest radio station in the world. Find them in Melbourne, Australia on 102.7 FM or at rrr.org.au. There are lots of ways you can contact us and you'll find them all at our website at boxcutters.net. Courtney, I, I stopped timing the show, but I've got a headache. It means it's nearly over. Hi, this is Pete Smith. You've been listening to or have just missed Box Cutters. <laughs>